This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And our guardian of all gardens everywhere is with us today. Yes, indeed, Charlie Dobbin. And, Thank you, uh, Frank. And I, Franklin Proctor, the guardian of the guardian. By the way, mm. there is a Franklin David high in the sky. For my birthday, my uh, wife had a star named after me. Isn't that it's cool? It's just off the Little Dipper. Oh, and but but you're such a star anyway. Why would you need a star <laughs> named after you? Oh, you are so smooth. You're just <laughs> yes. you're just yeah. too much starry. Thank you. I'm gonna have to have re- I have to memorize the coordinates mm-hmm. because it is actually up there and it's it's officially registered and all that sort of thing. So one yes. of these days I'll be looking down at you for, for my little star, <laughs> and when you know it's right by the little dipper. Dipper. I was yes. gonna say. <laughs> I think that's pretty appropriate. Actually, don't you too? Yeah. Mm. Well, my wife did. Okay. Uh, David Gaskin is our producer, and as usual, a big smile as we walked in the studio, and then a giggle when we leave, you know. Uh, (laughs) I noticed that, too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Phone numbers. Let me get them on the air, and then you've got a whole whack of announcements, I do. Okay. Uh, Phone numbers here in uh, Toronto for AM 740's Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, 416-360-0740, and then anywhere else in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-740. Four seven forty. Okay. All right. So today, the Harrison and District Hort Society presents the eleventh annual Garden Festival. Mm. That's from eight o'clock this morning until two two p.m. this afternoon. Just go to the Mill Street Park in Harriston, and you'll find a wide variety of all kinds of cool things for sale. And, of course, I hope it's not too muddy and mucky out there. Uh, we were saying earlier, what a, what a deluge. But, oh, wow, yeah, but needed. Yeah, yep. aren't, aren't the gardens and the water table and everything a lot happier for it? Uh, this Tuesday, June the 5th, I will be speaking at the Richmond Hill Garden and Horticultural Society. Subject is Front Garden Design, or How to Eliminate Some Lawn. This is at 7.30 p.m. at the McConaughey Senior Centre, which is 10100, so 10,100 Young Street, which is just north of Major Mackenzie. Lots of free parking. The Hort Societies of Parkdale in Toronto are hosting a garden tour in Bloor West Village next Sunday from 10 until 4. It's a self-guided tour. There's also an exhibition of botanical art at St. Paul's Church. Tickets are available at Winder Garden, Another Story Bookshop, and Sweet Peas on Roncesvalles. All proceeds go to community garden projects, including schools and Colborne Lodge in High Park. <clears throat> Excuse me. Speaking of garden tours, next weekend is the big Through the Garden Gate tour spot, um, brought to you by the Toronto Botanical Garden. This year it's Resplendent Rosedale. And if you've got the Toronto Star today and you flip to the section, which is the homes and condos mm-hmm. section, right on the front page, big photograph of a beautiful Rosedale home story by Sonia Day, who you remember. Yes. Uh, was on our show. And uh, Sonia is a, a 
uh, what's it called, columnist for the Star, and uh, she does give a information, a map, numbers to call, et cetera, et cetera. It is all next weekend. If you don't see the Star, then go to www.torontobotanicalgarden.ca for more information. Tickets do sell out for that tour, so if you're interested snap in going, up. snap yeah. them up, exactly. The Riverdale Hort Society is hosting a flower show and annual strawberry social on Wednesday, June 13th from 7 to 9 p.m. at the Frankland Community Centre, which of course is 816 Logan Avenue, just south of the Danforth. Now, to participate in this flower show, you need to see the schedule because the way it works, when you want to compete in any of these shows, Mm -hmm. you have to follow the rules of what you're going to showcase because there's always different themes and and, uh, divisions and classes. They don't want too many repeats of the same thing, I would expect. Well, what it is is um, you can't just say, oh, I'll pick a nice bouquet out of my garden and throw it all together and walk in and win an award. Your bouquet that you pick has to fulfill some criteria uh, because there are certain classes. Now, there might just be a what's in bloom wild bouquet in a vase Mm. that you'll turn out you can fit into that class. But I don't know. You'd have to check out the schedule. That's the bottom line. If you want to go and participate, these shows are a lot of fun. People, people, you know, they get really competitive. (laughs) It's it's knocked down and dirty. So uh, the schedule can be seen at www.gardenontario.org and then just... Just follow the links mm. to the Riverdale Hort Society. And speaking of shows, the Lakefield and District Hort Society invites you to join them for their wonderful rose and flower show. This is held at the Lakefield Marshland Center. It's going to happen on Tuesday, June the 19th at 8 p.m. Now, even though the rose is the star of the show, many other flowers are also included. And again, this is part of what's in, mm-hmm. in the show. Um, um, there will be all kinds of other flowers. So everybody who attends will see flowers such as begonias, carnations, pansies, petunias, whatever. goes on and on and on. And delphiniums. The show opens to the public at 8 p.m. and is completely free. Come out and enjoy a stroll through. Refreshments will be served. And again, for more information, just go to GardenOntario.org. Follow the links to the Lakefield and District Hort Society. Okay. Now, quick segue before we go to our commercial <clears throat> excuse me, break, but I mentioned delphiniums in Lakefield in mid-June. We have a special guest with us later in about half an hour, Lorraine Roberts, and she is, uh, one of her specialties is delphiniums. So we're I've gonna been looking at talk. her book. Yes. Wow, what a photographer. Yeah, pretty gorgeous. Eh? Beautiful, beautiful photography and nice little place card here. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yes. Right. So she's going to tell us a lot more about what yeah. she does up at her plant, Paradise and Country Gardens, and about an upcoming event called Delphinium Day. All righty, that and more coming along here on The Garden Show from AM740. Our phone lines uh, once again open at uh, 416-360-0740 for Toronto callers. And then anywhere else in the province, hey, we pick up the cost here. 1-866-740-4740. Back in just a moment. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And your sous chef, Frank Proctor, welcoming you to the show, and in particular, a hi to Vivian as we boot along to Burlington, Hello, Vivian. Hello. Good morning, Frank. Mo- morning. Morning, Charlotte. My problem is um, I've got four 
large burning bushes. Mm -hmm. And they're in in the soil as well as uh, where my other flowers are. And they were seeding. And then, lo and behold, with the storm we got the other night, all the seeds are now down on the soil, the whole length of the side of the garden. Now, what do I do about that? Can I just leave the seeds there, or do I have to get some way remove them? No, I think you'll find that they are not going to grow. Is that what you're worried, that those yes. little seeds are all going to... Have they grown in the past? Yes. Uh, well, I don't know, because I've never had that happen before. Oh, okay. Uh, I would not be overly concerned. If you want to go out and just with a, a small fan rake and lightly rake the surface of the soil or the lawn, wherever they are, and clean them up, you're right, the lauded debris came down last night with the mm-hmm. rain and the wind, whether it's branches or leaves. Actually, a dead branch broke off one of my neighbor's trees and dropped into part of my backyard. So, yeah, it's, it is a cleanup day in that sense, but I wouldn't be overly concerned that these things are going to grow. It, no, it, it just would right. look nicer to clean them up, though. Uh, yes, but I have someone else that looks after that mm-hmm. for me. So I can tell him what to do. Then. Yeah, exactly. When he comes next to your home, just have him. He'll do a lot of raking up, I think, of whatever things dropped. Yes. Okay. Yes, yeah, so well, thank you very much. Thanks, Vivian. And you have a good day. And you too. Thanks you for your bet. call. Thank you. Yeah, what a change in weather, huh? From, I know. Uh, really hot, hot, yeah. midsummer weather to, See. ooh, a little cold and exceedingly damp. Well, I think we got as much rain yesterday, or more rain yesterday, yeah. than we got in the entire month of May, and I think April put together. Yeah, but we needed it, didn't oh, we? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Warren is in Scarborough and anxious to have a room with you. Hey, Warren, good morning. Morning, Frank. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Warren. Well, we have a, a flower bed that's about three feet wide next to our house, and in it we have a rose of Sharon. Mm-hmm. Should I be cons- uh, concerned about it being too close to the house. It's about a foot away from the house. I'm concerned about the roots and the foundation of the house. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't worry about that. They're not that big, are the roots? No, but part of, that is a very narrow bed, and a foot away from the house is very close just in terms of the form of the plant. Mm-hmm. So part of your job is going to be trimming that plant early spring every year and keeping it in bounds uh, so that you can still walk down the walkway or, you know, the plant won't be just banging up and rubbing against the house. Yeah, well, that's my wife's job. She's, uh, the flower uh, beds are her baby. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'll let her know anyway. Yeah, I would, I mean, Jen, no. <clears throat> Very few plants have the kind of roots that are going to bust through a foundation on principle. Most roots of most plants, look, like, they don't really look, but you know what I mean? They, they seek moisture, and they're not going to go into a foundation seeking moisture. They're going to go away from the foundation. Oh, okay. It's just the horrible willows and poplars and those guys that are in totally invasive and have so many roots they have to go somewhere. It's more or less the trees rather than the bushes. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, thank you very much. Oh, thanks for your call. Have a good day. Thanks, Warren. Uh, here we are, 918, uh, zipping along in the line to Oakville and saying hi to Shirley. Good morning, Shirley. Yes, good morning, Frank, and good morning, Charlie. Morning. Um, I have my uh, speakerphone on. You can hear me okay? Yes, we can. All right. Um, I called you a couple of years ago, and I never got this done. I have a, an eastern red bud. Um, it's the forest pansy variety. Mm-hmm. And um, it's been in place since 2008, and it's not doing well where it is. And um, I've had it confirmed by a couple of horticulturists that I should move it to the south side of the building, my, uh, the south side of my house. 
it's about it's no more than six feet high right now, and um, it's about three to four feet wide, and it's got lots of leaves. And I, I would like to get it moved out of there because I want to put something else in that area. Where is it now? It's up against the north side, or yeah, on, on uh, yeah, the. It's um, yeah, it's it's kind of facing like it's kind of it's in um yeah it's it's more or less facing north. It uh, gets a little bit of westerly wind, I guess. You know, not too much, but uh, it's just not doing well there. Does it get any sun at all? Oh, tons of sun. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. And, um, yeah, when I when I bought it, the guy, the guy at the nursery, he came out and looked at it in two thousand and nine or something like that, and he said it was in too sunny of a spot, but. Mm. I have a lot of sun in my garden, so I, you know, I really can't move it too much to any shade. And I mean, so you get a little bit more shade in the afternoon if I move it over to the south side. But well, the the forest pansy redbud does best in six hours of sun daily. Well, it'll get that. Yeah, I mean, the other redbuds we always think of them as being fairly tolerant of shade, the green varieties, but the forest pansy specifically does like a fairly sunny location. So what do you find in the spring, that there's some, some dieback on the tips? or? Oh, yeah, and it, like it, uh, it really hasn't bloomed at all much except for the very first year. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, um, so like I was told by, I went to Canada Blooms, well, I go to Canada Blooms quite often, and I went to Canada Blooms, I believe, in maybe 2010 or something, and I, and I went to a seminar there, mm. and, the, and the lady said, well, it's on the fringe of the zone. Yes, it is. And um, so... My idea was uh, uh, to move it into a more protected area. I just figured the south side might be more protected. South, southeast, for sure, because then you're out of that northwest wind, and that's that's the killer. It will be southeast, actually. Yeah, perfect. Uh, So I would do it. I mean, that is your. So now your real question is, when's the best time to do it? Yeah, I like. I'd like to do it now, but you know, it's got so many leaves on it. I know there'll be a lot of leaf loss, and it's so wide. I mean, I can't. I can't possibly. I don't think it'll have that large of a root ball anyway. You know, the like a well, wide. Yeah. Well, no, it certainly wouldn't be that big. But what what you're trying to do whenever you transplant anything, whether it's a tree, a shrub, a rose, a perennial, you're trying to to grab as big a root ball as you can possibly manage. And you're trying to ensure that the soil stays on the root ball so that you don't want it to come out of the ground with naked roots. You want it to come out with a big ball of soil and and roots all holding together. You're right. This is not, I mean, it's still technically spring, right? Even though it's, you know, early June, it is still spring. Uh, Spring is a wonderful time to transplant, but more dormant is always the best. So yeah. this has been such an early spring, you know, it's really the plants are acting, they're, they're kind of at their summer point now. We're kind of two to three weeks ahead in terms of the garden mm-hmm. growth, I find. So bottom line, <clears throat> you could do it now, particularly if you had some strong hands around to help you do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, after all, this rain is good because you certainly want to do your transplanting when the soil is nice and moist. The other thing would be to wait and do it in the fall early September, again, if you have hands to help. 
And failing that, and, you know, if none of those sort of work, then I'd look to early spring. And spring before the leaves come out, I'm talking. Charlie, are there techniques that you can use in trying to get something underneath that dearth ball to help lift it out, like plastic or... or uh, yeah, uh, an old sheet, old piece sheet, yeah. of burlap. Yeah. Yep, yep, you can roll down under. And then kind and, of... Yeah, you literally make your own little ball and yeah, burlap yeah. because because you're still going to have to lift it up out of the hole, put it into a wheelbarrow or whatever, mm-hmm. walk with it around the other side of the house. Of course, the hole is all prepared on the other side yeah. and then carefully place it into the hole and remove, particularly if it's plastic, whatever you've been you've yeah. wrapped it in uh, and firmly, you know, tamp it all in either bone meal or transplanter fertilizer to encourage root growth right away, lots of water, a stake perhaps uh, just for the first year just to keep sure, you know, help it be completely stable so it can get some roots down and, and, and you know, get going. So, you know what I say, like, if you, like, you've got sort of three strong men around right now, get them out there and get them <laughs> digging. The, I mean, the other thing is there's such a thing as root pruning where you can prepare the plant now for a move in the fall. By yeah. going around with your shovel and doing some cutting of roots, uh, you know, do that imaginary circle of where you're roughly mm-hmm. going to lift it and use your shovel to sever roots every second shovel width apart. Uh, mm-hmm. And that will help the plant be ready for a move in the fall. Okay. And then when you do that, do you, do you cut where you cut now or do you cut a little bit further back a little bit further out from the, yeah, a little bit the further trunk out. exactly yeah keep it keep us informed of yeah. how, how it goes uh, whether you do it in now in the spring or but it sounds like a really good home, idea yeah. i would move it get it into that more protected location because nothing beats the beautiful flowers on oh, red bud in the spring oh, and the leaves are just gorgeous and exactly so you want that that's why you purchase that plant you want those good looking leaves and gorgeous flowers in the spring so you know get it into an optimal location so you can really enjoy it yeah, okay. No pruning of the of the leaves now or At this point, I don't think you I mean if you're moving it, yes, you want, you actually will do some pruning because it, you'll it'll get pruned in the process of all the digging and moving, then you'll stand back and do some cleaning up and tidying. Yeah, okay. okay. Thank all you, right. Shirley. All right, thank you. Okay, The Garden Show Thanks with Charlie Dobbin on the air. Yeah, interesting call indeed. Yeah. And uh before we move to any place else, uh a number of uh uh, things have happened to me this past week. Oh, no. I, oh, yeah. Well, I had, you know, sometimes Sierra Sill, of course, will help a great deal mm-hmm. with your body. What I've done to myself, you can't, Sierra Sill is not going to help me. I threw my back out a no. bit. There's no the, joints uh, there that you threw no, out. No, no. It's a stupid uh, me mm. getting my air conditioners out from a, a walk-in closet and, and kind of moving them the wrong way. So uh, I have re-injured my bulging disc. So as I'm um, advocating the use of Sierra Cell, if you've got a bulging disc, that's not going to help you. No, no. True. But, it, but you know what? Next year, I think for your birthday, I'm going to buy you a Rent-A-Sun to do yeah. some of these jobs for there you. you because you're at that point where, you know, whether yeah. it's heavy clothing or heavy air conditioners, you shouldn't be wrenching any of that stuff around. No. Mr. Well, I just turned 70. <laughs> well, let's just wrench a little commercial out of you for yes. our good friends at, at Sierra Cell. That's right. Exactly. Thank you for that. Um, what, what Frank is referring to is a little three little pills that we take on a daily basis to help us with aches and stiffness in our joints. As you point out, not going to help with a disc, but for anybody who's got stiffness or achy joints, whether it's knees or ankles or, you know, I do a lot of pruning at this time of year, so my hands can get quite stiff. Uh, obviously, up and down in the garden, the knees can get quite stiff. Now, Sierra Silk can really help 
with that uh, alleviates and, and helps just avoid any of that stiffness. And I find that it's quite effective. For more information, sierrasill.ca or go to their website, sorry, or give them a call, I should say, one eight seven seven joint 14 or pick it up at your local health food store like Essence of Life in, on Kensington Market or the Good Health Mart in Woodbridge. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size, there's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem, well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Mm. Well, let's see. We're back at the Garden Show. Charlie Dobbin on hand, as is your sous chef of the garden, Frank Proctor. Nice to have you along here on a Saturday as we say hello to uh, Ines or Ines. Gosh, I never remember how to pronounce that. Uh, is it Ines? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I say Ines. Ines. Okay. I'll try and recall that now from now on. Oh, you know me. I say that and I never do. Yeah. Good morning, Ines. <laughs> good morning. What do you have for yeah, us? Yeah, I bought the flowering almond. Uh, it flowered... Like it's everything's early this year, mm-hmm. and then we had the frost, but mm-hmm. it still continued to flower. But now all every branch that has flowers has died. It's all got um, brown crispy leaves on it. No, there's just nothing. Just brown and crispy branches. There, there, there are, it's just the, the branch is dry. The old flower flowers are still on it, but everything is brown. Yeah. So I just prune them or what? Yes, that's what you're gonna have to do, and that is an unfortunate uh, reality of flowering almonds. For no apparent reason, it is a it, it is a blight of some kind. I believe it's a fungus that, that can happen to them. Where, it wasn't the weather? Uh, no, I've seen it happen with different weather than what we've had this spring, where an entire branch just turns crispy. Yeah. Uh, and there's, like I say, I've never, I couldn't tell you the definitive of what happened there, but you absolutely just prune out anything that's brown and wrinkly and dead. Yeah. Even if it means doing a little bit of tip pruning on the live growth. Uh, to tr- I just looked at it yesterday mm-hmm. and... Uh, I, I have to do a, a really drastic mm-hmm. pruning, you know. Is it a big old plant? or? Oh, it's, it's old, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's what I mean. I've seen it happen to young ones. I've seen it happen to old ones. It happens as well. Sometimes we see um, Rose of, not Rose of Sharon, uh, Purple Sand Cherry. These yeah. are all, you know, members of the Rose family. Yes, yes. And they are sweet, and they certainly have lovely flowers early in the spring, but they can be very susceptible to insect problems and sometimes fungal problems as well. So even if I cut it down drastically, it will still flower. The flower on new wood? And next year. So what you want to do is do your pruning now. Yeah. You want to encourage a new growth. And then, of course, leave it alone so that next spring the flowers will be on the new growth that grows this summer. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, you know, like I mentioned before, it's a crazy weather. Mm. You know, the Camasia, mm-hmm. it has already flowered. I know. And I it's only couldn't believe it. June and this 1st. year there are no wasps on it. Oh, really? Nothing. Nothing, nothing. You're not even seeing any bees or anything? We have just maybe one honeybee every, oh, oh, sorry, a bumblebee every now and then. Oh, really? Nothing, nothing at all. Well, I've certainly seen a drop in the bee population oh, over the last few years. Gone. Though this year, I, um, I've i seen more bees this year than I have in the last few years. Well, that's good news. And I actually just um, was filling a hole in my garden with some salvia. I picked up some beautiful blooming blue salvia called Rhapsody in Blue. Yeah. And, uh, and it was so funny, like... I, as I'm planting them and 
taking them out of the pot and I'm turning them upside down, doing all these things. The honeybees are like swarming all well, over these salvias. Well, that's good news. No, it was really yeah. good, but it was just so funny to watch them because every time I was flipping the plant, you know, up, down, yeah. every which way, yeah. the bees were just following the plants. <laughs> they didn't care what I was doing. They were just staying with them. Yeah. So, yeah. so that, that was good. And I know there are hives in my neighborhood, so I'm well, glad to see more yeah. bees because yeah. it's yeah. been really well, we scary. Oh, not, nothing now. Nothing, eh? Well, keep encouraging, you know, plant the plants that the pollinators look for. All this done. Everything for the birds and the bees. Excellent. I agree with you 100%. Nothing I like better than the birds and the bees, Enos. Yes, indeed. Another thing I want to say uh, about moss do you know what I used for moss? Mold control. Oh, yeah. I sprayed that on. And it's called mold control? Moss. It's called moss control. Moss control. Um, Yep, yep. And on your lawn? No, 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 no. I had the, um, the moss on the, uh, the, it's called mold control. Oh, uh, mold yeah. control, okay. And the moss was on, a ba- on an embankment. Oh, uh, okay. So when I, after I had sprayed it, it just turned sort of a yellowish brown and it was all dry. Yep. Now, I never raked it up. Mm-hmm. Will it grow again? Probably not. Not in, not in the near future, anyway. Yeah. Well, thank you, Enos. I hope we've a- answered your uh, yeah. and question and helped thing, out. Last, last week, somebody mentioned about uh, um, for for the um, uh, ants. Yes. To use um, cinnamon. Uh huh. And I tried it. And worked. Well, there Excellent. you go. Yeah, Good stuff. We have to uh, charge along here. We have a guest waiting on the line, uh, Enos, that we have to get to. Uh, but we appreciate your call here to AM740's Garden Show. Uh, and I will let you do the proper in- introductions here, Charlie. You Thank you very much. Quite well. I like that. I like that uh, Enos uh, gave us an update yeah. on the ant control. All right. Our special guest is Lorraine Roberts. Lorraine and her husband, Robert, Actually, I guess his name is Robert Roberts, are owners of Plant Paradise Country Gardens, which is a destination garden center and organic perennial nursery located in Caledon. Yeah, I'm just looking at the map here, and basically it's south of Highway 9 and a little bit north of King Road on uh, Humber Station Road. Yep. Yeah, so and it gives you a bit of a fix. Yeah, so they're on 24 acres. They feature extensive perennial display gardens of continuous bloom that showcases the perennials they grow and sell. Now, Lorraine also is the author of a book, and I've showed you, yes, and we've gorgeous. been admiring and mm-hmm. salivating over some of the photography in her book. Good morning, Lorraine. Morning. Hi, good morning. Good this, morning. How this, are you doing? Good. Uh, first of all, congratulations on that book. My gosh, the photography really is beautiful. Thank you so much. Most of the photographs have been taken at Plant Paradise Country Gardens, and uh, my husband and myself, we've taken the photos. Yeah. Wow. Very talented photographers, <laughs> clearly. Now, now, what caused you to even write the book or put the book together, uh, I read, was that one of your most common questions, and I know back from my retail days exactly the same, mm-hmm. one of the common questions you kept you know, hearing were, what are the best perennials that create a garden of continuous bloom? So it's that all-season beauty. Definitely. That is one of the top questions still to this day. Yeah. People want those long-blooming perennials. And so your book answers the question. It does. That's a take-home, handy companion, clearly laid out by month of bloom. Yeah, it showcases over 287 photographs Mm -hmm. of individual perennials for sun or shade. And like you say, from... When it starts blooming, the month it starts blooming, how long it blooms, the, the height. The size. And yeah. And, yeah. 
But of course, some of these plants didn't read the calendar this year. No, <laughs> no definitely not. <laughs> it's been a crazy year. So, but I but I noticed you two try and sort of cover off. You say May June <laughs> instead right. of just yeah. May or just June. <laughs> Which and, and of course with that heat, you know yeah. things aren't going to bloom as long. That's right. Yeah. So, but we you know that's why I like a cool spring because then we do get the longer blooming, which that's is right. yeah. my favorite. Yeah. Uh, I love it when the blooms last a little longer. So, um, now that so the the book is great. Thank you very much for it, and I I certainly appreciate having a look at it and being able to show it to others but but at your tell me a bit about plant paradise country gardens you've been there for about 15 years yeah we yeah we have and uh, we've been open for six years okay but it was a work in progress as everything when we moved to the property there was absolutely no gardens Mm. and not a flower or lilac even in sight it was just grass trees and a house fortunately the trees make a fantastic backdrop to all the gardens right so my my sort of goal was to develop the gardens, and um, so I started a lot of plants, over 1,500 perennials a year. This was just a hobby at the time. Yeah. And uh, then just got moved on, and we got so many gardens and so many plants, and we decided to have a sale, and that worked out well, and just moved on from there. The <laughs> hobby became a, a full-time job. Wow. <laughs> That's a good story. So you get to do what you love. Definitely. So we're growers, and I love growing things and growing perennials and knowing the habit of how plants grow and testing them in the gardens and seeing mm-hmm. how they winter over. Yeah, exactly. So, and so when people come to you and have questions, not you're very, very familiar with these plants. You've grown these from seeds, many of them, so you know yeah. exactly how they um, respond yes. to different environments. Yeah, uh, we grow over 500 uh, different varieties of perennials. Mm-hmm. And all hardy, all hardy here to Caledon, mm-hmm. which is... Uh, zone 4, right, or 5? Well, we're actually Zone 5 here yeah. in Caledon. Okay. Yeah. I've just been uh, breezing through your uh, lovely book here uh, as you've been speaking, Lorraine. And one little uh, note here I think is most important. All the plants are identified with their botanical names. Yes. And uh, by using the botanical names, that avoids confusing one plant with another. Mm-hmm. Uh, most important, I guess, yeah. That's a very good point because so many plants have, with the Common names can have very similar. You can go to a garden center and say you want a common name of a plant, yeah. and they'll be totally dumbfounded because they'll give you something else that's not quite right. Like yeah, there's this so helps many varieties you. of fleece flower, for mm. instance. Well, yeah, people who I remember saying, I'm looking for bellflowers. That's right. Like, oh, really? <laughs> Do you mind <laughs> yeah. how many plants are called bellflowers? That's right, yeah. So you or just daisies, take a, right? Take a look at the, at the picture, and there is the botanical name, mm. and you get the exact plant that you're looking for. By That's requesting correct. That. Yeah. Yes. That's Excellent absolutely work. correct. Now, you do a sp- couple of special events at Plant Paradise Country Gardens every year, and one that's coming up soon is the Delphinium Day. Yes. Uh, now, this is something you've done in the past. It's quite a big event. There's lunch, and it, I think you... Tell us a little bit about how it all works. Okay. Well, um, Delphinium Day is our... This is our fifth annual event ce- celebrating Delphinium Day. Mm-hmm. And on Delphinium Day, we have... Uh, uh, what happens is there, it's a ticketed event, and 11 o'clock, people start arriving to tour the gardens. At 12 o'clock, there's a speaker, and of course, you're speaking. That's me. On <laughs> Delphinium Day. That's right. Yeah. And we're so pleased to have you. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then after uh, you speak, there's door prizes. Everybody at the table wins a prize. There's also a raffle for charity. We've got a sponsor, uh, 
uh, donating uh, amazing products, and it's actually Amazingly Green is sponsoring it, and so we're really pleased to have that. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's right. Now, I will be speaking on, my topic is Outstanding Delphinium Companions. So I'm going to be doing my, you know, running around research homework in advance so that I can present and show what I've had good success with uh, yeah. growing delphiniums. Now, you are quite a delphinium grower. I remember you were saying you yes. start a lot of them from seed, um, uh, and they're all the Alatum series. Yes, we actually start thousands of them from seeds thousands. each year. Wow. Delphinium elatums, mm. and um, these are the new Millennium variety, right. a hybridizer in uh, New Zealand, actually. We get the seed from him, and he's hybridized them from the hardy British hybrids. Right. So they are hardy, long-lived perennials, of course, with some care. Uh, delphiniums are heavy feeders, and that's a, we're just delphinium days to celebrate the glory of this beautiful perennial. Yeah. Yeah. And that it can actually work in small or large gardens. Right. Well, exactly. And yeah. and as you you and I were speaking earlier, Del- everybody loves delphiniums. I mean, right now you should see Frank's face. He's like like salivating over the. Well, photograph. I just found the picture of the delphinium alatum, and uh, it's uh, height. The one six called feet. morning light. Yeah, with three feet. Uh, soil nutrient rich and zone three preparable. Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah. So they're yeah. hard, and that's hardy. Lorraine's point: is that they're hardy, they're long lived. Mm. Just give them what they need: they're lots beautiful. of sun, lots of room, and you know, don't be afraid of them. I mean, staking. I'd be interested. I want to see how you stake these and keep them all upright, particularly in wind like we had yesterday. Yeah. We uh, actually do. We found a really great, easy to use staking system. It's a grid system uh-huh. um, on steel, powder coated steel. Two stakes and the grid in the middle. Right. Just the same thing you'd use for, say, a peony. Yep, yep. And I love it because then I, now I don't need to have my husband help me. And right. it was a big battle, you know, trying to stake these huge things. Yeah, yeah. So you get that out there and the, the delphiniums grow up through the grid. Yes. Nice. And you've got to do it early. Sure. You have to stake them early. No question. As they're growing. No and it, the grid actually moves up the stakes. And do you have to physically move it? Yeah, yes. you do. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I've got something like that I'm working with with my peonies, actually. Yeah. Of course, you have to move it up. That's one thing. Yeah, it works great. <laughs> Lorraine, is your book available at all the uh, bookstores, basically? Um, it's not at this point. We, it's available online on our website. Okay. Quietparadise.ca. Um, okay. And also at Amazon.com. And also a few local independent stores here in the area. Uh, in Orangeville, uh, there's a bookstore in Orangeville. Uh, book lore, mm-hmm. and another bookstore in Bolton, actually, because we're only 10 minutes from Bolton, uh, Forrester's Book Garden. Okay. What nice. folks should be looking for, then, is a book by Lorraine Roberts. It's called A Recipe for Continuous Bloom, and what I've seen of it is absolutely beautiful. And if people would like to buy the book online, of course, as Lorraine said, plantparadise.ca, mm-hmm. and I believe you still have a few tickets available for Delphinium Day? Yeah, we have about a dozen left, okay. and once the event's sold out, we do post that online okay. on our website. And you can buy tickets by calling us directly or online, ordering also. And there's lots more information about the event on our website. Yeah, your website's very pretty. So oh, for anybody who can see it, plantparadise.ca, purchase tickets and books and get lots of good information, or give Lorraine a call at 905 880 uh, to purchase tickets or get any information that you might need. And Delphinium Day is Saturday, July the 7th. 
starts at 11 o'clock with refreshments and a tour and lunch and me at 1 o'clock. And it's all going to be, like you say, raffle. It's going to be a beautiful day. We're looking forward to having a lot of fun. Yeah, me too. <laughs> nice meeting you, Lorraine. Thanks, Lorraine. Thank you so much. All right. We'll see you in July. Great. Have a wonderful day. You and you too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye now. Yeah, nice, nice lady. And uh, wow, what a talented photographer. Yeah, clearly. Can you imagine, just for the love of gardening, start like 24 acres, just starting to create massive gardens for fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, there you go. I love it. What's often been said is that you find to do something you love, you'll never have to work in your life. That's right. Never work a day. Never have to go to a job, yeah. 9.43 our time. We've got to push along here because I know that Charlie has been hanging on that line from Oshawa. We will get to you, Charlie, I promise, right after these words on The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And her old buddy, the, the old sous chef, is along with her. Yes. <laughs> Saying hi to Charlie out there in Oshawa. Hi, Charlie. Good morning. Morning. How are you? Great. Good. Uh, it's, uh, as you know, it's Charlie from calling from Oshawa. Mm-hmm. And I have a, uh, a large uh, cedar at the end of my property mm-hmm. and what is happening on two sides uh, of uh, my neighbor's uh, weeds are growing in and I'm for the last five years I keep pulling them out and pulling them out and trying to kill them mm-hmm. but I was wondering uh, if I put the black screen down and uh, put some river rocks on top of that would that impede uh, the roots from getting watered Technically, no. What uh, the reason? Yes, the, like you're talking about the black fabric, the landscape fabric. Yeah. It's almost like black J cloth. Right. Yes, that can help with um, uh, not allowing the weeds to come up. However, it's the river rock over top that bothers me. It's okay. that weight. Mm-hmm. When you put a big weight onto the roots, I think it's very. I just personally think it's very hard on the plants. I'd rather see the fabric and then a big thick layer of wood chips or cedar mulch or something like that. You know, I'm talking four inches deep. Something that will not allow the light to get through to allow any of those weeds to come up. Oh, okay. Just, and it's a lot lighter. Okay. Okay. Now, um, and do you have a lot of squirrels in your area? No. Okay. None at all. Okay. Because that, the one thing I find is squirrels sometimes can be very curious or say, oh, I think I buried something <laughs> yeah, there, yeah. and then go and, and start messing around with your fabric. So I was going to say, if, if you do have squirrels, stake the fabric in the corners and make it nice and you know firm and tight so that the crummy squirrels can't start <laughs> pulling it up. It looks really, once it comes up, it's really hard to get it back down. Yeah, that's right. Now, I guess I should uh, sort of dig it out a little bit. I'll smooth that out and then put some more soil on top and then put the chips on top of that. That's right. And do um, remove any flowers. Like if you've got a way to just cut those weeds down as low as possible. Okay. Then put your, yeah, go in with a little bit of soil, your fabric, and then lots of mulch. Okay, that's great. Okay. Thank you so very much, and you two have a great weekend. Thank, Thank you, Charlie. Same Thanks yourself. Thanks for your call. Thanks. A pleasure to have you on the show. 9.47 our time here at AM 740 as we welcome Tom to the line. He's calling in from Hamilton. Good morning, Tom. Uh, good morning, uh, Frank. 
How's the lady die doing these days? It's beautiful. Very, very going. well. Bless your heart. <laughs> and my cat Dickens is doing just as well, too. Oh, my. There you go. <laughs> Morning, Tom. <laughs> Hi, Charlie. The problem I have is not too simple uh, or it's not too complicated. We have a rabbit family for years around our place. And I guess this year being dry, mm. watered the new roses we put in Mother's Day, a couple of nice plants. And uh, all of a sudden one morning came out and the leaves were all gone. No, oh, really? And uh, about, you know, fair-sized plants, uh, hybrids. Mm-hmm. Is there a chance that the the plants will survive uh, the leaves being off them? Or do they, or were they, they container-grown roses or were they yes. bare? They were. They were containers. They were containers. And they had leaves, obviously, when you planted them. Yes, yeah, so and nice, healthy plants. And right now, are there any leaves on them at all? Or Not just... really. If there are, there's... Maybe one or two baby ones, you know. Small. Okay, what I w- you have two options here. One is uh, green canes, typically on the the roses, will help with photosynthesis even without leaves. Uh, so that's a good thing. Green cane. The canes or the stems of the roses are green, I believe. Yeah, oh yeah, they're, uh, they're very healthy shape. Yeah, because they're young and vigorous, so they'll have a green bark instead of an old right. rose, which has like a brown or gray bark. Uh, what you what we're trying to make happen here is more leaves to grow, and they will grow as long as the plant can photosynthesize and you know make the physiologically make it happen. So those the fact that the canes are green is a good thing. What you can do is do some tip pruning of the canes to encourage dormant buds to emerge. When you prune the tips, you're going to want to prune to an outward-facing bud. Now, you might not see a bud, but you'll see a little bump on the stem. So you want to prune down to a little bump that faces to the outside of the plant so that the growth will grow to the outside rather than to the inside where it'll all get tangled up and messy. Yes. And I would do that immediately. Um, and I wouldn't worry about it. You know, I, I assume you gave it good soil. The roses were given good soil when you planted them. Yeah. No need to do any fertilizing or anything like that. Just let them be and, and see what happens. If you bought them from a quality garden center, of course, they, I'm sure, will, will have come with a guarantee. Mm-hmm. So there's that option as well. So just say, okay, you know what? I don't want to have to wait and see if these things make it. Just take them up out of the ground, take them back to where you got them, and get them replaced with, uh, you know, brand new, ready-to-go, fat, juicy replacements. Is, it, is the rabbit thing, like, we never had problems with that. Is it because of the dryness, and we've been watering very vigorously that area that has kind of drawn them to those leaves? Is it, that possible? Well, it could be. I mean, remember roses, and so many of the, the members of the rose family are very good-tasting plants. Succulent little <laughs> devils, mm-hmm. yeah. So, you know, I'm just trying to think... It could even be, you know, something else that was also contributing to the, the eating of those leaves and not just rabbits. But, uh, but, but it came overnight and it was, went from a, a really a healthy looking mirror's <laughs> plant to, you know, basically naked. Sticks. Green sticks. Oh, oh man. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it, it's true. It's been a very funny spring. I mean, certainly with all the early weather, uh, I think a lot of the litters were born early. And then you're right, it's been very dry. And there hasn't been a ton of food. You know, the yeah. normal food hasn't been available. You know, even the lettuce hasn't come up in our gardens yet in some cases. So the rabbits are, are and many of the animals are struggling to stay healthy. And perhaps if you are going to replace these, you might want to even consider a little bit of a chicken wire uh, fence around them in the short term till yes. they till they get going and get a little little stronger and taller okay okay <laughs> sounds good
good. Thanks. Bank's fingers crossed and do those things and see what happens. All right. Yeah, keep it. Keep us in uh, in touch there. Okay, Tom. Very good. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Nine fifty one here on the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Uh, because of my little bulging disc problem, I don't I'm want all going to do, see that. Well, I'm going to do push ups with my fingertips. That's bulging. All. Yeah, He's I don't want bulging. <laughs> Boomers wanting freedom to yes. maintain their favorite activities like fingertip yeah. uh, push ups. Hands going up and down here. And yeah. for some of us, of course, it's far more active than that. It might be golf. It might be gardening. It might yeah. even be kickboxing, which be. you used to do. With reduced aches and stiffness, find that Sierra Sil can really help. Active people, athletes, all kinds of people who want better performance and a pain-free life find that Sierra Sil does work for them. doesn't work for everybody. That's why it's called Joint Formula 14, because Sierra Sil people believe that you will feel better within 14 days, and if you don't, it's a guaranteed money back. You can give them a call. They will answer all your questions at one eight seven seven joint 14 You can check the website, sierrasill.ca, or pick up Sierra Sill at your local health food store. For example, Nature Village on Queen Street, south in Streetsville, carries Sierra Sill, as does Goodness Me Natural Food Markets in Burlington, Hamilton, and Waterdown. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You pick the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome along here to uh, the latter part of the Garden Show. I'm Frank Proctor, and on the line now is Pete from Guelph. Good morning, Pete. Good morning. Morning. Good morning. Yeah, go ahead, sir. Uh, what I wanted to ask you was uh, whether it was fairly common this spring or not for lilacs not to be coming out. No, it's not any more common this year than any other year. Why? What's going on? No flower buds at all? Well, strangely enough, we have uh, we have two on the property. Mm-hmm. One has is quite an older bush and is very prolific. Mm-hmm. It came out with about six buds, and they as they started to open, everything just died off, and there hasn't been anything show on it. Mm-hmm. The other one didn't get any buds, and yet my neighbor across the street has a tree that is out as beautiful as ever. Yeah, covered. You likely the frost back in March? Well, that's it. I was going to say, there's two reasons that lilacs sometimes don't bloom. The one most common reason is that they've been pruned at the wrong time of year. Is it possible that you did some pruning on the lilacs last summer or fall? Uh, yes, it is. That's where your flowers went. Okay. So really they should be should be left alone in the fall, eh? That's right. The rule of thumb with flowering shrubs is if we're going to prune them at all, we prune them right after they flower. So, now, just as a uh, another thought on that, though, there's another neighbor that is about two blocks from me that has a, a, a laneway that is enclosed with lilac trees. Mm-hmm. And we've noticed this year he doesn't have a bud on his either. Mm-hmm. Well, then, yeah, I was going to say there's there are many kinds of lilacs out there. The common lilac, 
uh, is probably blooming now, whereas the French um, lilacs, which is the hybrid, and they're typically a grafted lilac, those ones may have been had some problems with the frost. So we may have seen fewer buds on some of the uh, French hybrids because of that. Um, my, I have one, only one lilac on my property. It's a Miss Kim. So it's one of the Myri lilacs. And I found that there's lots and lots of blooms. They're small this year, but they are not huge flowers anyway. But uh, lots of flowers on mine. So the trick is, if you're going to do any pruning, and this includes lilacs, this is, you know, if you had a forsythia on your property, which is the yellow flowers in early spring, do all your pruning right after the blooming, and then leave them alone till the next year, till they bloom, and then again do all your pruning right after they bloom. Okay. Okay. Thanks very much. Thanks so much, Pete. Thank you, okay. Pete. And I think we have time for one more call quickly here. Let's get to uh, Saint. Uh, pardon me, Joyce in Saint. <laughs> Ka- oh, Saint Catharines. There you are. Yeah. I thought that's <laughs> a long distance call. <laughs> Caribbean. My gosh. <laughs> Good morning, Joyce. Hello, Joyce. Hello. Morning. Yeah. Good morning. You hear me? Yes, yes we can. What's going on at your place? Oh, well, I am wondering um, the best way to grow asparagus. I've tried a couple of times, and it just doesn't seem to do well for me. Okay, a couple of th- quick things since we don't have much time here. Yeah. Um, asparagus requires pretty specific environment. It needs very well-drained soil. Mm-hmm. It needs full sun. And usually when people buy asparagus, they'll buy the little young um, kind of rootlets is what they are, and you start with a trench. And there's actually usually instructions right on the on the yeah. care tags. Okay. So you'll lay you'll dig a trench, you'll lay them all out into the trench, and you don't even attempt to do any harvesting for the first couple of years. You let them grow mm-hmm. because they have to get established first. And then it can be kind of fun. I mean, part of the challenge with asparagus, of course, is keeping the weeds out and keeping them available and accessible to you. And then you uh, start looking for the opportunity to be harvesting some of the little spears uh, probably this year starting a couple of weeks ago, but uh, typically in early spring. And also quickly, garlic. Mm-hmm. What do you, you, it's growing up in mm-hmm. the garden now. Mm-hmm. Should I bend them off and let the bulbs form? Yes. Or how do you use, do that? The only thing you're going to bend, though, is the flower scape, which oh. is the one that comes up with a big curl on yeah. top. You've got straight green leaves. could yeah. almost look like a daffodil or an onion. Yeah, they but, do. Mm-hmm. But then there's a green stem that comes up, and it does like a little pigtail on top. Oh. That's mm-hmm. what they call the scape. That's the flower. Uh-huh. Either trim it off. And cook it up in a stir fry or mix it up in your eggs. Mm -hmm. Or, as you said, just bend that so that it doesn't mature. You do not want that flower scape to mature. Oh, okay. Because if it matures, it takes resources away from that developing bulb underground. Yeah. Love Uh, garlic. Yeah. So if you do that now, because you're absolutely right, those are little scapes are up. Get yeah. rid of that. Your, the bulbs should be nice and fat and juicy and ready to harvest in August. In August, yeah. Oh, okay. Thanks. Well, thanks for joining thank the show. You. Yeah. Yes, thank you. <laughs> okay, then. Garlic, right, and, garlic and butter and spaghetti. Oh, oh I there love it that. goes. Yeah, garlic yeah. and butter mm. and spaghetti. <gasps> yep. And salt. Don't forget the salt. Oh, yeah, yeah. Got and salt. pepper. Well, okay, yeah. yeah. Pepper's now, good. you're going to have an interesting morning. As, I we, am. as we check out here, I'm looking in the next room. I know. The, the, uh, the, Dave Rediger and Alan Gelman. Car guys are here. They've got their flower shirts on. I see. And I'm ready. Looks send, great. I'm ready to Beautiful send you Beautiful for up. radio. Yeah. My but God, Alan like is just doing his usual black t-shirt. However, he doesn't know that I'm heading up to his house after this yeah. to meet with his wife to spend all kinds of money. And and she's bringing her <laughs> wine bag with her, so they'll both be sloshed by the time Alan gets home.
home. It's going to be real fun. We're doing, I'm going to go up and, and look at Alan's garden with his wife. Of course, like I say, he's not going to be there, so we can come up <laughs> with all kinds of good want. ideas for oh, renovation and num-nums. opportunities on making changes. So I'm looking forward <laughs> to that. And uh, Alan's frantically trying to get a microphone to work. Forget it. You can't. This is my show. You have to wait till your show. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, Frank. Frank, you're the best sous chef ever. Why, thank you very much. And there are very few of us around. Thank you, David Gaskin. We couldn't do any of this without you. I appreciate it. And uh, thanks to all the great callers. We'll see you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.